evening, and welcome to Beware of Spoilers. Probably the last Beware of Spoilers before Christmas, because the next two days I'm busy. And the next one I'm going to do is probably going to be Willow. I was going to do that, but, you know, shit got in the way. Um, so, here we are, talking about uh, Babylon, the latest Damien Chazelle movie. Which I'm conflicted on. There are a number of things in this movie that do work. Like, I think Margot Robbie has a great performance. I think that um, Brad Pitt has a great performance. And I think that the other lead, I forgot his name, has a great performance. Um, He's kind of a newcomer. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot in this movie... That should have been cut before um, it got to the theater. Because at three hours and six minutes long, this movie did not have to be three hours and six minutes long. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, you could have cut this, you could have cut this. Basically the same thing I said about the Fablemans. Where it's like, if you're going to have a movie this long, that's your prerogative. You are more than free to have a movie this ungodly long and unruly. That's fine. The problem is you have to justify why it needs to be that long. And I feel like a lot of movies that we've had this year and over the last few years, very few that have exceeded the two and a half hour mark have actually felt like they just, they needed that. Um, Avatar The Way of Water, there's room to cut, but I probably wouldn't have cut anything from it because um, it's all just beautiful to look at. Um, like, there's room to cut in, you know, I liked the Batman a lot, and I saw it in theaters, and I've watched it again since. There's room to cut in the Batman. I think Dune is one of the few movies that you didn't have room to cut, I think, or, the, the, like, it, where it justified its length. Uh, Wakanda Forever justified its length. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood justified its length. But very few movies can, that exceed that two-and-a-half-hour mark actually do something worthy of hitting that two-and-a-half-hour mark. Um, and I think that's kind of the disconnect that I have with this movie, where it's like I'm watching it, and I'm looking at everything that's, that's kind of going on in this, and I'm like, this is just... It's kind of like someone came up with a bunch of interesting concept art. And they're like, oh, that would be really cool if we did it in the movie. Look at how cool this would look. Look at how cool this would look. If we did this in live action, look at how cool it would look. And then at a certain point, before you enter production, you have to be like, all right, this is all really cool, but let's just tone it down, cut it down to a manageable length, and we'll go from there. And then, even at that point, once you've shot stuff, you have to be like, okay, this is all really cool and really interesting looking, but we got to cut it down. And it's not nearly as interesting as Avatar, because at least Avatar, there's so much going on, and there's so much interesting visuals. Um, You can keep track of it, at least. I think that the problem with this is that it's like, and I think that like calling it an orgy of uh, a, a sensory orgy is probably the best way to define it because it's just there is just so much going on around you in so many scenes where it's just you don't have time to really get your bearings, understand what's going on, uh, understand what's going on, and then go with that and be like, okay, so here's what's happening in this scene. X, Y, and Z is happening. We are doing well. We understand what's happening here. 
you, you never really get that sense with this. And I think that that's kind of a big problem here with this movie, is that we don't get that, you know, for a lot of the, the scenes with... with and, and to be honest, I would have cut 75 to 80% of the, of the partying because it kind of feels like you have two different movies going on. One movie is kind of trying to be singing in the rain, where you're talking about the transition from the silent era to the era of talkies. And, and this movie does something that really pisses me the fuck off, where it's like, you know, they're talking about, oh, well, you know, I hear Warner Brothers has a, 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 a talking picture now. Oh, we gotta talk. And they, and they do that for so long. And then they show, and it got me for a second, because not the, not the twist and not the big reveal aspect of it, but the them going into the theater. And I was like, man, what must it have been like to go there that first day that they were playing um, the jazz singer in a theater. What must that have been like? And seeing this theater where they're playing the jazz singer for the first time and, and you're seeing these people watch this, you know, this, this, you know, new technology unfold, it's like, holy shit, that would be really cool. But they intentionally frame the shot where it's like, oh, well, what could this possibly be? Like, you know, we know it's the jazz singer and you're not changing anything, it's just, it's the jazz singer. So you have this complex story where it's like Margot Robbie and, um, and, and, and Brad Pitt are both silent movie actors who have to make transition into, you know, in, into, into the talkies. But the problem is, because they're, it's so scattershot on everything going on and the characters don't really intersect that often, it's so widespread that it, it doesn't really, you know, matter any. Um, and, and I think the other problem is because it's so scattershot in so in so many ways with, with this movie. I, I think that it, it's just you. By the time we get to the third act, I don't really care about any of the characters. Which, and again, I'm going to put a spoiler warning in here because I, I, I want to just point out, you know. The, the third act of the movie hinges on... And, and this is another thing that bothered me... Was... I'm listening to... Um, they're playing... I think, it's the, I think it's the theme for the movie. And I'm listening to it and I'm like... This is the theme... This, is, this sounds like a song from La La Land. And I'm just like... Because at first I'm like... Where the fuck have I heard this before? This, I've heard this rhythm before. And then I'm like... Is this fucking another day of sun? From La La Land? And it's like, I, I haven't been able to find anything to confirm, and I haven't been able to listen to it isolated out from on the soundtrack, because I literally just left the theater and went to stop and shot to buy stuff, because um, it's the day of work Eve. And I haven't been able to validate it, but I'm like, this sounds so much like fucking... I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain it's another day of sun. Um, I do love the La La Land soundtrack. Um, and it's like, when you get to that third act, and we have, you know you know, like, the, the, the other guy, whose name I'm forgetting, Manny's his name in the movie, but I forget the name of his, the actor, um, I didn't sit through the credits, because it's a three-hour-long movie, and I really had to go to the bathroom, so I was, I'm not, I want to sit through the credits, but I'm not going to, because I have to go to the bathroom, so, like, that whole thing, I'm watching, I'm like, that's weird, like, and when you get to the third act, and, and, and this character has now been separated out, and we have the two other leads have both died at this point. Like, and he's watching Singing in the Rain in the movie theater. And he's he's having all the memories. And, I, and, and this is where I was like, fuck you. 
Because I've seen this now happen twice this year, this exact ending. Because it happened in Wakanda Forever, and it happened in, um, what's it called? In, uh, in, in Clerks 3. It's happened before this, but it's just a character who survived a traumatic experience letting the weight of what happened wash over them. But now we get visual aids, because you can't always do, I think it was Michael Clayton, where uh, George Clooney does that. But there's no visual aid. Just you just watch his face as he realizes everything that happened over the course of the movie. So it's kind of the same thing here, but we're seeing flashbacks to all the things that happened. And I'm like, the thing is, so little time is spent with any one character. And then we also have this weird thing with the trumpet player, who it's like doesn't have enough screen time for it to really be developed, and it's kind of very quickly canned. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit of a weird thing to have in there. It feels like something where it was a studio note, where it's like, hey, can you put in like any, like, like, can, can you give, like, 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 we don't have enough black people in this movie, can you give him something to do beyond this, so, like, every scene he's in is kind of a reshoot, and it's like, oh, okay, that, that's definitely a studio note, which also added to this movie's runtime, but, you know, you watch this thing, and you're like, okay, so, all of these characters, you know, went through all this, and I don't have time to get with any one of them. Or, or generate sympathy for any of them besides Jack. But his reminiscences are not about Jack, Brad Pitt's character. They're about um, Margot Robbie's character, Nellie. And I'm like, look, you, you, you didn't give me enough time to get to know her. And what we did get to know about her, she's kind of a spoiled brat. She's not really a victim in it because she was given opportunities to fix things. And she just didn't over and over and over again. So she's not really a victim as much as she is like... She's a victim in as much as, like, an addict is a victim of their disease. But it's not enough to be like, oh, well, she just got left behind, which is, I think, what they're trying to say with that. But that's not really what happened in the narrative of the movie. So I'm like, that's a little bit weird. And then on top of that, too, it tries to play on, like, your knowledge of where movies go from there, where it's, like, showing off all these cool things. There's a clip from Jurassic Park. There's a clip from, um, what's it called? There's a clip from, uh, uh you know, Terminator 2, there are clips from all these classic movies, and there's clips from Avatar, and I was like, fuck you for making me see Avatar again in the last week in theaters, and all of these things are kind of playing out, and you see him start to break down, and I'm like, yeah, but you, that emotional moment doesn't quite resonate, because we didn't get a chance to know these characters, and then on top of that, too, his relationship with Nellie was never really developed either, because his story, it's kind of three different stories, where you have Jack is the falling star, where it's like he's he's the falling star. Then you have Nellie, who's the rising star, who fizzles out because she she soars, you know, she she's Icarus, she flies too close to the sun. And then you have the third story, which is Manny's story, which is he is I would say Henry Hill. Because that's how the ending of this movie kind of reads to me. Less than, you know, you know, he fizzled out. It's kind of the, I'm a schmuck just like everybody else from the end of Goodfellas, but not as good. So, but the thing is, because even the Nellie and, and Manny stories don't intersect as often as they have to, and when they do, it's more Manny as an overbearing studio executive, not a, you know, not a friend or a confidant. By the time we get to this third act that's meant to be like this emotional moment between these two characters, it just doesn't quite mesh. And it doesn't quite, like, and, and him lamenting her death, it feels... I'm like, this is more of someone who loved someone from afar and never got that thing, which, okay, that's kind of what happened. But at the same time, between the first time they meet 
and the next time they meet, it's two or three years. And it's like, alright, cool, but like, can we, and then there's another huge time gap between the meeting, and another huge time gap between us seeing the meeting. And it's like, there's so much other things going on, I just don't quite understand what's happening here. And don't get me started on the whole, you know, the moral aspect of the movie, which is like, not, not to say the movie doesn't have morals, but like, they, they act like all of a sudden there was a moral panic because America suddenly got a, a, a bunch of people together to say and stand up and say that they had morals and all of that. And it's like, well, no, that's that's not what happened. That's not what caused... Because this, everything here is pre-code in this movie, but that's not what happened. It was just movies permeated so far into the public eye and into the public consciousness that that started raising people's attention. And the, the subset that was there and was always vocal... Like, because you think back, it's like there were bands on the book Ulysses, and there were all of these things before movies. And then if you, if you want to see a more recent example, look at the 80s with heavy metal. Look at the 90s with video games. Whereas, like, these things reach a certain, like, tipping point with, you know, public knowledge of it existing. And then at that point, it, it, it has to be responded to, you know, and it's like, oh, well, we have to, you know, uh, you know, they suddenly develop morals. It's like, well, no, it's... You just got so big that you're now attracting that attention. And it's like, she's not... Again, I, like, look, it's sad that she couldn't be with... What's her name? Um, because because of all of that. And I get it. That's meant to be a sad moment. But I think the ultimate problem is... You, you're you kind of just saying, like, oh, all this is a new thing all of a sudden. It, it, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't a new thing. It's just this... You know, it was always there. You're just portraying it in a very weird way. I'm not entirely sure why they did that. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think that's really it with uh, with this movie. I mean, the movie's not terrible. It's well shot. There are a few weird edits. Um, and I would have preferred a little more time with each character. Um, but with three characters in the lead, you, you kind of got to make concessions. And I don't think those tough conversations were ever had. Whereas, like, we have to, you know cut down on something, and it's just kind of, what you had to cut down on, and I would have preferred a three-hour movie of this, is you have to cut down on all the partying stuff, because it adds, like, that first party, that's like the first half hour of the movie, almost entirely inconsequential, because the only thing that comes out of that is, um, Manny getting hired as assistant to Brad Pitt, and, uh, and Nelly getting hired to work the movie. Those are the only two key things that come out of that sequence and you could do that in 10 minutes and you, and not have us it, it was 30 to 40 minutes of this first party and I'm like you can do that in 10 and save a half hour and then if you want to use that half hour anyway which would have been helpful you can use that half hour to expand the story elsewhere and tell other parts of it but we'll wrap up there for today um so everyone out there Merry Christmas we will be back after Christmas with, um, definitely I want to dance with somebody on Monday, um, and possibly Willow on Monday, depending on if, if I watch it this weekend. Um, but until our next episode, have a great rest of your week, and happy holidays.